the last Sunday of this month, we will touch base and finish James chapter 3. But this morning, I want to direct our attention to four absolutes that meet at the communion table. We live in a society that their voices are clamoring. There are no absolutes. There are no standards of right and wrong. We're almost like in the time, as is recorded in 1 Kings, that everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king in the land. We don't like absolutes. Absolutes keep our feet to the fire. Absolutes are the ones that are the foundation of our very faith and life. And when you begin to talk about absolutes to our society, it's not long before you are faced with, well, that's good for you, but that's not what I believe. A quote that I have over my desk, I've made mention of it many times, But the quote is that the further a society goes from the truth, the more they will hate those who speak it. Absolutes. There are four absolutes that are wonderfully cannot be disowned because they are ingrained and they are instilled in each and every individual that walks this earth. You can't get away from them. Four absolutes as they relate to the elements that are before us. Let's pray together. Father, there is one absolute that we hold to here at church, that you are holy, that you are awesome in your power. You were and are and ever shall be. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You reside in your home that we refer to as heaven. And it is that place that Jesus even commented in the last moments of his earthly life that he said to his disciples, I'm going to go make a place for you in my Father's house. And we're caught this morning, O Lord, with a realization that what lies before us in these elements of the communion service remind us of four undisputable and yet at the same time foundational truths. We would like to think that we could get away from them, but we can't. We would like to think that we can invest in man's theology and psychology of this world, but we can't. For these four absolutes reign in the life, in the mind, in the heart of every individual that enters into this human race. Whether they would be in the most civilized society 
or they find themselves in the darkest of jungles. These four absolutes are what guide and direct our lives. So help us to speak well this morning, Lord, because it is your word. I do not wish to share my words because my words are really nothing. But your words, I pray that they would ring true today that our ears would hear, our hearts would receive, and our souls would be changed. And to you be that honor and that glory. And we'll praise you and thank you in your name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. These four absolutes are situations of life that no matter where you are or who you are or what you profess, these four absolutes you cannot get away from, for they are ingrained in each and every one that make up this thing called the human race. Let me give you these four absolutes. First one is evil. Second one is justice. Third one is love. And the fourth one is forgiveness. Evil, justice, love, and forgiveness. Every human being has those absolutes reigning in them that they cannot escape. They cannot ignore them, nor can they at times even find answers to them. But they are that dynamic and that dogmatic that we have to address them, especially as they relate to the communion service this morning. What is interesting as we come to this communion service, it is a place where all four of those absolutes meet at an intersection of life. Time will not allow me to read the passage, but you can go back to the book of Matthew as Jesus begins to institute this wonderful thing called the communion service in chapter 26, beginning at verse 17 and all the way down to verse 30, you begin to see how these four absolutes were present in the very first communion service that was given. Evil, justice, love, and forgiveness. What's amazing, at the time of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, he came to this earth as is described by the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians chapter 2, when it's written there that in due time, God sent forth his Son. Jesus Christ was born into a society of the time whereby it was viewed as being one of the best, if not the best, society 
The Roman Empire was known for many good things. Some of their architecture is still standing. They knew how to build things. Their aqueducts of moving water from that which had a place of plenty to a place where there was none was far beyond anyone's comprehension. They had a system of roads and they had a system of government that helped to flow people in and out and to guard them and guide them by rules of society. But what they also portrayed was something that Jesus was about to face. The forces of evil. It was in this particular society, dear people, that the individual, mankind, was raised to the level of being almost God themselves. It was during this society where Life began to be viewed as being cheap. It was in this society that if a child was born and unwanted, they did not go down to the nearest abortion clinic. They just took the child outside the city gates and left outside the road to die. It was in this society that they made sport of killing of humans and that which is known as the Colosseum. Jesus was born into that society. Knowing full well that the reason that he was born, as he said to his disciples, I go and I'm going to be placed in the hands of sinful man. And they are going to crucify me. As Moses was lifted up, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But there's an evidence of evil that we read in Matthew chapter 26 that is too quickly overseen. It's just glazed over, if you will. There was a force of darkness that was even in the midst of the upper room. And his name was Judas. Judas was there. And we know according to the biblical account that Judas was not satisfied with Jesus Christ. He wasn't whom he thought he should be, and so he made a deal. The deal of 30 pieces of silver. According to the Old Testament, that's the price of a slave. Judas thought that the selling of Jesus as cheap would be great reward. And he was in the upper room with Jesus. Matthew 26 tells you the account as Jesus exposes him and he leaves. But, but, but here's the, the dynamic of this particular truth. 
is that all of mankind knows the difference between good and evil. Evil, in many ways, has been changed a little bit, has been darkened, hidden, if you will, hidden under the auspices of, well, the Supreme Court said it's okay. Evil. Everyone struggles with that. Everyone realizes that there must be a difference between that is good and that which is evil. Societies of the world have been dictated by individuals who are evil. I've never been to Auschwitz. I've never had the privilege of walking down the street that led to the main gate of Auschwitz. I've never had the the privilege to even go and walk through the barracks that ultimately led to the ovens and the gas chambers. And we look at that and we say, that's that's evil. (laughs) Yes, it is. We in our history are aware of individuals who seem to be guided more by evil than by good. And we understand every individual in life struggles between good and evil. And at the communion service, the very first one that was instituted by Jesus Christ, There was so much evil there that even the disciples began to ask themselves, is it me? Am I the one? And I wonder if that conversation as it made itself around, as each disciple asked, is it me? And it got to Judas Iscariot. And Jesus said these words, you have said it well. It's you. We struggle with evil. We want to know what is the, if if we can have some kind of differentiation between what is good and bad. It's it's Isaiah all over again when God said, they're not going to listen to you. The people that I'm sending you to are going to hate what is good and love what is evil. Well, even in that, we see The struggle, everyone knows what evil is. Jesus was thrust into a society of evil in order to set us free. The second is justice. (laughs) We all want justice. You've only got 11, you got 11 articles in your basket. This is a 10-item line. What are you doing here? We want justice. You cut me off in traffic? Sometimes there's a digit that goes along with that handshake. We want justice. 
Isaiah writes concerning God when he pens the words in chapter 30 that the Lord is a God of justice. The Lord is a God of justice. We want justice. We, we recognize that justice rides in on a white horse with a complete white outfit with a white mask. And at the end of the event, he has high silver away. Justice. We, we want correction for something that someone has done to us wrongly. We want things made right that we feel are unfair. Parents hear this from their children. That's not fair. No parents in this congregation, I'm sure, have heard from their sanctified children. Amen? That's not fair. We want justice. And at the communion table, these elements, we are faced with the justice of God. Because He is holy. Because He is righteous. Because He is magnificent. Because He is sinless and He cannot have sin in His presence. He demands justice. And as the gavel fell at the first court session of life, he said to Adam and Eve, the day that you eat of it, you will die. Justice. Every human being wants justice. They want things corrected for themselves, for their own pleasure maybe. But they want to make sure that they get what they feel they deserve. Justice meets us. In Matthew chapter 26, justice comes Because it is there that the Apostle Paul, though not at the communion table that first day, he remembers as he writes, but God demonstrated his own love. And now while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ met the standard of justice that God demands. The payment for sin. The third characteristic, if you will, or the absolute is love. There's not a human being born that does not want to be loved. It is something that is ingrained in us that we need individuals to appreciate us and to love us for who we are. One of the most dynamic characteristics of most of the radical gangs, 
I mean, we're hearing a lot in the news today about Antifa and, and, and all of that that's going on, but I want to tell you something about that gang. It's this. Do you know why they're so strong? Because some of the people have found love for the first time in that gang. And they want to stay there. People want to be loved. And they will find it in any place and in any way that they can. The Crips and the Bloods, not as much prominent as they were back in the 1980s, but individuals that belong to those two gangs, both in California, and then they migrated north to Oregon and Washington because the police literally hammered down on them in California, so they just migrated north. And individuals that would interview some of those people, some of those teenagers that belong to that gang, some of those young adults that belong to those gangs, they were, why do you belong here? And their answer is amazing. Because they would say, it's because we're loved. Everybody wants to be loved. And at the communion table, these elements, the greatest display of love is portrayed for us. That God would love us that much. The one who created all that there is by speaking it into existence. He loved his people so much that he willingly gave his son for the purpose of dying, to satisfy his justice, and to destroy evil. Love. Now God so loved the world that he gave, and it didn't cost you a thing. But it cost heaven everything. The last one is forgiveness. I did some research on this word forgiveness. It's an amazing word. I challenge you to to get into a, a word study. And if you want to know what word study to start with, start with forgiveness. Forgiveness is just not the pouring out of saying, oh, I'm sorry, oh, that's okay. No. Forgiveness is literally providing for the offense in order that the offender would be wiped clean. True forgiveness comes from a wonderful word that describes, and you've heard it before, well, I'll forgive you, but I could never forget. But the true form of forgiveness in God is this. I will forgive you, and I will never bring it up again. You'll never have to worry about me forgiving you. 
Most recently, there was a documentary done by individuals who viewed some of the worst prisons in the world. And all of the inmates that were there, when they were able to get them alone, away from the crowd mentality, when they were able to get them alone, they asked them, what, did it, what is it that if you could go back and redo and, and not fall into what you've done to put you here, what is it that you would want? And each and every single one of them said, I just want to be forgiven. We want forgiveness. And in these elements this morning is the availability of the greatest forgiveness of all. It's here. Evil, justice, love, forgiveness. Those absolutes reign in every individual's life. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ paid for them all. Go back and read Matthew chapter 26 and focus on those things, those events, those absolutes will pop out at you as you will see evil, justice, love, forgiveness. All in Jesus Christ. As the men gather to come to serve these elements, may I ask all of you a question. I know you all struggle with these absolutes. But the one absolute I want to make sure that each and every one of you have experienced is the absolute of forgiveness. Have you trusted Christ as your only hope of eternal life? He who has the Son has life. And straight from God's word. And Jesus Christ willingly paid that particular debt. If you're here this morning and have never trusted Christ, I ask that, first of all, please don't take these elements. In order to receive these elements, you must have to have first received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Remember the Apostle Paul said, those who eat and drink unworthily eat and drink damnation to themselves. I don't want you to do that. Even there this morning, it can be something as simple as this. Lord, I don't understand it all, but this one thing I do know, I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. Please save me. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. He will. He will. These elements, in of themselves, are for a remembrance of what Jesus Christ done for us. And as we partake of them, let's praise him today.